Hey, good morning. How are you guys? Yeah, yeah. You doing good? Awesome. Well, hey, if you don't know this, there's something cool that happens on Sunday mornings. We actually tune into our Plymouth and our Milton. They tune into the sermon. Uh, so they've done that check. And so right now when we're preaching here, we're also preaching there as well. Would you welcome them to this part of service? We love you guys so much. Uh, we love hearing the testimonies of everything that's happening at those two locations as well. And so just really, really excited. Uh, Pastor Nate asked me to, to preach this week. We're in our series, New. And our, our verse that really helps center this series and, and what our focus on is this scripture in Romans. Uh, and don't panic, I didn't give this one to you because it's just the scripture of the series. But Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So our whole goal in this series is trying to help us let the word of God change the way we think. And Pastor Stephen said so many great things last week talking through the importance, like as you think, what you view yourself as, what you view the church as, and all these different things, uh, that really shapes how you respond to the love of God. You can think through even just how you think about uh, you know, your own family dynamic, Maybe you had a rough childhood growing up. You didn't have a great connection to your father. Well, how you think about that relationship actually could affect how you view God the Father as well. So there's a lot of power uh, between how you think and how you respond to the word of God and all these different things. And so we're going to be talking about one of these things. But first, I want to tell you a little bit of a story when I, was, when I was younger, I worked for Starbucks Coffee Company, and uh, which was, yeah, it's a great company to work for. When you're younger, it was amazing. When I was in ministry, it was amazing. I got to get there. I got there at 4.30 a.m. I worked until 9, and then I came and did a 9 to 5 at the church, um, and it was great. I got to work both of these things. But leading up to my time in ministry, um, I wanted to work through uh, becoming a manager, and so I started just thinking through, all right, if I got to be a manager, I got to start thinking like a manager. Like I have to, I, I'm going to make it so obvious that I need to be a manager to these people that they'll promote me. And so what, what did I do? I bought khaki pants was the first thing that I did. I, I'm not even kidding. I bought khaki pants. I started wearing a black polo. Up until then, the dress code was loose. I wore Restoration Church hoodies, which were not allowed, and ripped jeans, which were not allowed either. And that's just what I wore. And I was like, oh, I need to be a manager. I need to dress like a manager. So I started doing that. I started to eat like a manager. And what I started to do, I said, I can't manage a coffee company if I don't like coffee. And so I said, I'm drinking it black from here on out. Like, I'm drinking black coffee from here on out. I am a manager. And I, and I, and I, and I just sell, held myself to it. Like, I'm going to start doing the things that I need to do in order to be a manager. And you know what? I became a manager. I worked through it. I worked through all these different things. It was the khakis and the black coffee. If you're looking to move up, you got to think through these things. You got to be smart. You got to be strategic. But what ended up happening is I thought, I thought I made it. Like I did a great job in my store that I was a barista at. Uh, I was just one of, the, one of the baristas there. I was a ship supervisor, which really just meant you told people when to take a break. Like that's all you really did. And I did that really well. And so I got this position. I got this title of manager. And I thought, this is great. 
I've made it. I've achieved greatness at the coffee company, and I'm going to show up to my new location, never worked there before in my life, and I'm going to lead. They're going to listen. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to show up. Hey, you're doing this wrong. Do it right. They'll say, yes, sir. And it goes through. Like, I really thought this because I, I, I had never stepped into leadership like this. The only other leadership that I had worked through was church leadership, which don't get me wrong. We have our, our, our fair share of people who say they want to do what you want to do and then do their own thing as well. Like, we see that. But when you work for, uh, you know, a secular company, there aren't really Christians there. Uh, they don't really respond the way you think. And so what ended up happening is I thought I achieved greatness because I became a manager. I thought all these people are going to listen to me because I'm great. Like this is like, like I, I'm, I'm over them. I was given this position. And then it didn't happen. They responded negatively. They reported me to my supervisor. Like all these different things because I was, I was being too harsh or I was cutting their hours and, and they just wouldn't understand. And, and what ended up happening is I had put what the world had been telling me greatness was in my head for so long that I thought, now I have the title, now I make more than everyone else at this store, so I must have greatness. People must want to listen to me. And that really just wasn't the case. So what is the world's view of greatness? Well, that's, the world's view of greatness is, is money. The more money I have, the more powerful I can become. Influence the more people that look up to me, copy me, envy me, the more people I tell what to do, the more power I have. And then you think through status as well. The better job I have, man, if I have the right job that just makes me sound impressive, I've achieved greatness. And we can see, like, that's just not at all when Jesus came and started teaching. That's not at all the greatness that he was talking about. I wanted to put up this picture to kind of show you. Jesus came and he worked through what's really called like the upside down kingdom. So he took everything the world was doing and said, you have it all right, just the wrong direction. Yeah, you figured out the org chart, but you're looking at it wrong. And he worked through what's called the upside down kingdom and, and working through these principles. This is how the world views greatness. That the more people I have under me, the more people that I tell what to do, the greater, that, the greater I am. And so our goal in the world to achieve greatness is to climb and climb and climb, and get to the top until there's no one above me. There's no one telling me what to do, but I'm telling everyone what to do or everyone's asking me what they should do. And now I've achieved greatness in the world. And Jesus came and said, no, let me, let me tell you about how to achieve greatness in the kingdom. And we can read this scripture here that says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. And so he came and he put up the second graphic here he came and said, no, no, this is the biblical view of greatness. This is the kingdom view of greatness. And our goal is to climb down here. And what does that mean? How many people are we serving? How many people are we lifting up? How many people are we resourcing, telling about Jesus? And that, the person who puts themselves lower here, ends up being the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, which is the complete opposite of what the world tells you, the complete opposite of what uh, social media might want you to think. And you think through, like, 
Jesus called us through. He told us this is how we serve, and he also told us to grow the kingdom. I don't think the two are separated at all because you think if you've reached the pinnacle here, you have all these people serving under you, you have, you have no up to go. You, ha- you have no way to go up. And so what ends up happening is you begin having to expand the amount of people you serve. You need to grow the people under you. You need to reach new people that aren't following Jesus. Find new people to serve. Find new people to love. And that is, is being a part of what Jesus calls us into the Great Commission. And so I just, you know, thinking through this, there's even one more thing that we could have that's a negative view. Okay, so I'm going to serve people. I'm going to post about how much I serve people. I need to tell people how much I'm serving them. I need people to know that I work uh, 50 volunteer hours at the church, and now I'm doing it. I'm achieving greatness, right? But there's a second part that Jesus always addresses, and that's the heart behind how we serve. It says in, in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, knowing that the Lord will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. It's not just about how many you serve, but it has everything to do with the heart you do it with as well. So we don't serve to be great, but Jesus is telling us if you serve with a pure heart, looking to lift others up, you will be great. So today, that's what we're talking through. I want us to redefine how we view serving. I want us to rethink what serving means in the church, what serving means in our life. And so we're going to unpack a couple of basics that I want you to understand, and then we'll get into some practical things as well. And so if you're new to church, if you've never heard this before, I just went through a bunch of scripture. You're like, what is he referencing? Uh, We have Bibles for you over by the prayer team in that corner or even at the Welcome Center. And so you can do that. But uh, we're going to be going kind of all over the place. So what I'd love for you to do would be to take out your phone and download the Bible app. That's a great resource for you. If you've never used it, you can search it. You can find things quickly. And so I don't want you to get distracted in this message trying to find where we are in the book. I'm going to read it. And you could even just write it down in your notes. You don't have to get too uh, fixated on that. But Jesus came so that we could be closer to God, right? He came, he, he took on punishment, and so what ended up happening is we could not be near God because he was so perfect, and through what Jesus did, he took our sin, and now we can be close to God. Not even only that, but God can dwell within us now because we've been forgiven and, and we've made whole, and there's something he told the church to do before he left, and we call that the Great Commission. And you can read it in, in Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, that's, that's one of the final things that Jesus said to his disciples, and that's why we take this so seriously as a church. You can see our, our mission, we say just one more. And so our prayer is that that's, that's us living out the Great Commission, that we'd see one more person come to know Jesus. We'd see one more person be set free in the name of Jesus, be healed in the name of Jesus. We, we believe all of these things. And I think if we look at the early church, we have a model of how we do the Great Commission. 
of how we do it. And so there is a strategy that I believe God laid out for us as we look through uh, uh, how the church functioned in the early days. And so I'm going to talk through these basics, and then I want to apply them to our church here so you can start to learn a little bit about the Great Commission. There's a, a fantastic book that talks through being uh, uh, an intentional church, a church that works through uh, reaching the lost intentionally. You don't just stand there and wait. Someone one day will ask me what I believe, right? They, they want us to be a church that is, is intentional. And, and they talk through about this. We've gone through it as a staff. And it's a fantastic book. It cites a lot of scripture of where they get their model. But let's look at how the Great Commission was lived out in the early church and how it should be lived out even today. There are three aspects, I believe, of the Great Commission. They're serving the church, they're serving each other, and they're serving God. So we can read here. Let's read in Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and prayer. Everyone was filled, and I may have a different translation. I apologize in advance if I'm reading something else. They were uh, filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give them to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And this is the key verse here. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right, so we're, we're Christians. We take the Great Commission seriously. If there's scripture that tells us they added to their numbers daily those who are being saved, we should probably lean into that one. We should probably, okay, well, what can we learn about what they're doing? How can we learn how they're reaching these people? And so uh, you can put up this, this graphic here. I believe that verse can be broken down into three things. I know it's such a classroom vibe right now. Like, <laughs> get me a laser. But I just, like, I wanted the visuals, so we did it today. Um, but it's very classroom vibe. But they serve the church, they serve each other, and they serve God. And I believe these three things all need to happen simultaneously for a church to be effective in reaching people, for a church to be effective in serving the body of Christ, of serving Jesus. And so they serve the church. For us, we play that out as our Sunday services. And it says in the scripture, they met in the temple courts and devoted themselves to the teachings. So the first thing that needs to happen to see the Great Commission go is that we meet in church, that we gather together, that we listen to teachings, and that we build ourselves up. The second thing is they served each other. And I, I think this lives out in our circle groups. This lives out even a little bit in, in our volunteer teams, but in our circle groups and, and in our freedom class that's happening what do they say here? They broke bread in their homes, ate together with sincere and glad hearts. 
And I think that is such an important piece. And then the last one that they had was they serve God. It says in the scripture, they, had, they sold all their possessions. They, they got rid of their houses, so they were giving it to the church. They were saying, God, how, how would you use the situation I'm in? I want to serve you. And so they would go out and they'd, they'd have this life-changing uh, uh, or this, this relationship with God that meant, I want to serve you wholeheartedly. I don't want anything to hold me back. And so they wanted to serve God. And I think if any church leans too heavily in one way of these, man, the Great Commission is just not going to be cycling through the way it should. We serve in church. We reach in church to be fed up, to learn, to grow. And then we reach into serving each other. We gain long-lasting relationships that help us stay. Then we start to serve God by tithing, by giving to kingdom builders. And that keeps everything moving forward to what? going back into our Sunday service to reaching more. And so it continues through as we keep serving. And so you lean too heavily on any direction and we'll have an unbalanced theology of how we're supposed to be reaching people. And so at Restoration, we have a very, uh, uh, we try and keep it as even as we can. We're not trying to work through anything at all, like, like trying to lean into, well, let's just do small groups. Let's just do a big charismatic service. Let's just, you know, everyone sell everything right now and give it to the church. Let's see what we can do. We don't want to lean too heavily in any directions. And what happens in scripture is what we're going to see as well as we lean into it. They added to their numbers daily those who were being saved, those who were following Jesus. The souls that were being saved, the addicts that were setting free, the broken that are being healed. And so, all right, so we know now what serving does for others, right? It, it introduces them to this. It introduces them to Jesus. But some of us need to think through, serving does something for us as well. There's a great joy that comes from serving. And serving actually benefits you as well. And so you don't just, just come up to serve and say like, all right, I guess I just lay down every ounce of my needs and put it all into serving others. But there is a, a filling up that happens when we serve. And so I want to talk through just, just three different ways that serving helps you. The first one is it demonstrates God's grace. In 1 Peter 4 verses 10 and 11, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. One thing that I think is so important in the scripture when it talks through, you know, I, when I read it, I was just really excited thinking through it, that it demonstrates God's grace. The fact that he uses us that he wants us to be the people to reach the lost is just amazing. And as you begin to serve in that, not only does it demonstrate God's grace to others, it demonstrates it to you as well because you say, man, God, you used me? You used me to pray for that person that changed their life? Like, I can't believe that. And all of a sudden, you begin to see that God has, has grace and favor for you as you begin to serve. And so it builds you up that way. The second way is it builds your faith. Or, uh, you know, another way to think about it is, is it shows your faith. 
In James 2, verses 14 through 17, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? What kind of faith, what, uh, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, it's not saying like you, you have no faith if you don't move out, but I think what it's teaching us is it shows our faith to others and it shows our faith to ourselves. As we begin to work through, we start to see, yeah, I do believe this. I don't keep this at a checkbox amount of faith. Like, yes, I went to church. I'm, I must be a Christian. And then catastrophe hits and you have to think through like, uh, do I really have faith? I don't know. Like, this is really hard. Versus if you've been serving in the church, if you've been seeing God's grace in your life, all of a sudden your faith is built up and you see how you're reacting to it. And the last one, which ties to Romans, our, our verse for the entire series, it confirms your identity in Christ when you serve. It confirms your identity in Christ. Not to, not to others, but to yourself. All right, we don't, we don't serve so we can look more Christ-like to other people, but when we serve, we start to see, all right, now we have that mindset of helping people, and, and all of a sudden, it starts to confirm our identity in Christ. James Clear writes a book called Atomic Habits, and he wrote through the importance of these small things that happen to change the way you think, to change the way that you, uh, you know, he's talking mainly about trying to quit bad habits and start good ones. But his principle here, I think we can learn a lot from, and it's the part I want to talk through, and the, the band can come up as well at, at every location. James Clear says this, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the, as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. And doesn't that just tie into that scripture so well? This is one reason why meaningful change does not require radical change. Small habits or small actions can make a meaningful difference by providing evidence of a new identity. And if a change is meaningful, and it's actually big, and that's the paradox of making small improvements or small actions. What happens when you begin to serve? Every time that you go to help someone, you're silencing the thought that you're not like Jesus, because you just took an action that confirms that identity. And so every time you take a step in faith, you're confirming that new identity in your head. And as you think, so you are. You work through. If, you, if your thoughts always work through, I'm such a terrible person. Thank God's around because I'm a miserable sinner. Thank God that, that he loves me because I'm such a useless person. And if that's the thoughts that you have going around, like that's, that's not going to lead you closer to Jesus. That's not going to let you run the race well. But as you serve, as you step in, you start to make those votes in your head. You start to cast these votes. Yes, I am. I am like Jesus. I am like Jesus. I see it. 
and we can work through. You know, I think as a church, we're, and I noticed this in, in the podcast that Pastor Nate does behind the sermon when he asked us almost that trick question, like, do you think you can actually be like Jesus? And all of us are like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like, immediately, no. And he's like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't answer like that. Like, that, what a defeating mindset to say, no, I'm never going to. But you have to look at the evidence. You have to look at the evidence of your faith. Look at the votes that have been casting in your new identity. There's two things that your thoughts or, 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 or the enemy are going to try and convince you out of serving. Because that tiny little thing, I know it sounds tiny to, to serve in church or to serve others, to love others. But this tiny little thing transforms you in such a huge way that the enemy doesn't want you to do it. And maybe you don't even want to do it because you're not ready to change. You're not ready to, to work through it. But let me tell you the two ways that I think the enemy white might try and keep you out of it. Might just try and convince you out of it. So you wake up in the morning, you think, uh, it's Sunday. I had a long weekend. I had a long day, day at the, the office on Friday or whatever it may be. I just want to sleep in today. I just need to sleep. I need some me time. And so it tries to convince you out of it. Just go to sleep. Just go to church. Why would loving a person make a difference? I'm not that important anyway, right? You're gonna convince yourself out of it. And honestly, that's the one I struggle with the most. I struggle with working through, does my love and care for people actually matter to them? Does it actually matter? Does it actually make a difference to them if I reach out, if I serve, if I try and love them? Like I work through, the enemy is always trying to convince me, you saying you love them means nothing. Like they don't, they don't care about that. And I constantly work through that struggle of like, no, God called us to build each other up. And I see that, that, I wanna, that I wanna build this person up and I'm going to do it, whether they take it or not, I know what I'm doing is I'm taking that step and I'm casting that vote of who I am. The other way, the other lie that the enemy could use or that we could use in our thoughts is convince them that you're above it. I'm better than this. I'm not gonna hold the front door because I'm called to do something great. So I'm gonna wait until greatness approaches me before I step into the greatness that God has called me to. And I think there's something, you know, as I was praying and thinking through last night and working through the message, I thought through this, like some of us think that reaching the greatest resemblance of Christ is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, but really it's washing the feet of the people around us. Or we think we need to perform these, these amazing miracles. We need to work through like, no, thousands need to be saved or else it's not like Jesus, but really it's about loving someone that no one else can. And the enemy wants to convince you, like just sit in the sidelines until they ask you to speak. Sit in the sidelines until no one else can do it but you and step into it. And I'll tell you, God's, God's just never gonna open that up for you. Because as you're faithful with the little, God will give you more. He'll trust you with more. And I want you to understand today, if, if you're in the room, if you're in the room at the other locations as well, God has greatness for you. Like God has a plan for you. And it may not sound this simple, but taking these steps to serve is what's gonna pull you into that calling. I've seen it time and time again where people felt like their faith was dead. People felt like they just couldn't get anywhere in serving God. And then when they step out and start doing these small things, insignificant little things to love people, to care for the church, all of a sudden they get stepped into all of these different uh, places that God 
has for them. And so there's, there's greatness that God has for you. He just wants to see you take these small steps. I wanna, I wanna tell you a story of how I came to follow Jesus. There was no fantastic sermon, although Pastor Nate preached a sermon that, that kept me at church, that you know God kinda had a, a sermon for me that taught me something that made me stay. But what ended up happening is I just loved the people so much that I began to serve. That I, I, you know, they were doing a Christmas event and I had been a tech director for a while. So I was like, I'll, I'll do sound, I'll do whatever. And I was just the person running batteries to the musicians. Uh, we were at a different location that meant like three flights of stairs to change out batteries. <laughs> like it was so awful. So it was just like, oh, my battery's dead because we had old batteries that didn't charge. It was just running down, going back up. I couldn't do anything else. And so I just, kept serving, kept serving. And I served so much that I, I was on sound. I served so much that I got onto the worship team. No one had asked yet, do, do you follow Jesus? Because I was, I was serving so much. I think, they, you know, why would anyone want to serve this much if they didn't believe in Jesus? And I was, we were playing a song and, and how fitting the, the song that it was, it was from the inside out. And I began worshiping, I was playing guitar and I like, it clicked. I said, I'm a Christian. Like, I'm a Christian. I've been doing the things a Christian should be doing for the last two years, and I didn't know I was one. And I just started crying as that song went. I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus, you're real. I've seen, I, and all of a sudden, it's like I saw for the past two months everything Jesus had been doing and using me for. And it was this, this just deep moment where I realized like, oh man, I'm not a Christian just because I raised my hand one time or because I heard a sermon that I liked. I'm a Christian because I've been serving him for the last two months and I've never looked back. I've never stepped down from serving because I've, I've always had this heart to see other people experience this as well. And so maybe you're thinking today, I can't serve, I don't follow Jesus. I can't serve, I'm not good enough. I have too much sin that people are gonna find out about or I got a past that if they find out, they're gonna kick me out. I want to tell you this, like, we want you to serve because we want to see that transformation happen to you. And so I've even worked through that. Like, if you, if you play piano, come, come up and play piano. Like, come be a part of that. Maybe, maybe you're not going to be here preaching a sermon. That'd be weird. Maybe you're not going to be here leading people in worship singing if you don't believe it. But I want you to take those steps to serve. There's so many ways, and you can let God renew you. And I think the key piece of this scripture in Romans to renew our thoughts is to start doing the actions, the cast votes of our identity. And what is our identity? It is in Christ. And so will you stand to your feet? We're gonna pray, and then we're going to Worship and, and location pastors, if you could um, just be ready at, at your location as well. Have your prayer team come up, prayer team here. If you could be at, at your place here. Because here's what I want you to do as a response. If you've been coming for a while or you're brand new, I want you to take a step in serving. I want you to take this step because I want you to see what Jesus has for you. And I don't want you to think you're insignificant enough to just come and watch and leave. You're seen, you're loved, God has importance for you. And so what can happen is while we're singing and while we're praying before we're dismissed, you can go to the prayer team 
It's not gonna be some big moment, right? Because we're not talking through big moments. We're taking, talking through small actions. And you can talk to them about how they can serve, how, how you can serve, how you can be uh, a part of the church. And we wanna get you plugged in and connected. That's a big thing that we wanna see you guys do today. Don't feel called out if you're new. If you're brand new and you've been coming for a couple weeks, you're like, dang, they're really, really laying down the law here. That's not at all what, what I want you to think. You can still just be attending, just be investigating, let Jesus work in the service. But if you've been coming for a while now and you do not serve on a regular basis, because I think it's consistency, it's continuous steps, you gotta keep walking through. I think you gotta take that step today, whatever it may look like, and you're gonna see how it helps you go out in the world and love people and care for people and serve people. So let's just, let's sing and let's worship with that heart. And if you want to respond to this, just encourage you to go to the prayer team as well. Haley, would you join them just in case there's, there's more people that they, can, that they can have? So I just want you to make that step. Don't take another day to think it over. Don't take another day without starting to cast these votes into your new identity. You are made new in Christ. Or if you want to be made new in Christ, it's the small actions that do it. All right? Let me pray for you. God. Love you so much. We worship you. We thank you that you've designed us in a way that as we serve you and as we love you, that it transforms our thoughts, that it helps us to step closer to you. We thank you that even though you could do all of this on your own, you choose to use us, God. We thank you that you love us enough to include us in your work and that you know by taking these steps that it builds our faith. I pray over everyone here right now that, that the enemy would not convince them they're, too, they're, they're insignificant and they shouldn't serve or convince them that, that, they're, that they're too important and, the, and that they should wait for something greater. God, pray that those thoughts would leave. In Jesus' name, those thoughts would leave and they would begin to have their heart broken for the things that break yours, God. That they would look towards their community and see that you're the only solution and that you choose to use people. And so the only real solution is that we go to do your work, God. Pray that you use us. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's worship and sing together.